Primary season is upon us. Your power as a voter is never stronger than it is right now, but navigating Texas' endless ballot is hard. Talking with me about all of that today is CityCast contributor and political junkie Evan Mintz. It's Tuesday, February 1st, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Evan, thanks for doing this. My pleasure. I'd say that uh, primary season is one of my favorite times of the year uh, because we get to learn all about the judicial races and the justice of the peace races and the clerks races and all these down ballot races that rarely ever make headlines unless someone is getting indicted. But I just checked my ballot and there are 90 races that I could vote in. How can anybody ever keep track of that many? Well, you know, I, I don't think that the system was set up with the intent of voting in a county with like four or five million people in it with dozens upon dozens of judgeships. Uh, but that is where we are now. Doesn't this the crazy Texas ballot system date back to Reconstruction when the idea was we Southerners don't want no Yankee-appointed government picking our judicial people? Oh, absolutely. And it's not just the judicial races. It's all those bizarre statewide executive races like uh, the controller and the land commissioner and the ag commissioner. And often it's the primaries that matter even more than the general election, right? In reality, this is the race that really matters. Uh, for the legislative races, most of them are in gerrymandered seats where you're guaranteed a Democratic or Republican victory in November. So whomever wins the nomination right now is probably going to win in November. So at the top of the ballot, whoever right. is wins the governor nomination in the Republican Party is almost certainly going to be elected governor of Texas. And that's right. But also for your state rep seats, too, those are gerrymandered. So whoever wins that for your congressional race, whoever wins that for your state board of education, that's pretty well gerrymandered. Whoever wins that Harris County is unique in that as a county and as uh, appellate judicial districts, too, we've seen some swings recently. So it's not 100 percent guaranteed that Democrats are going to win in November like they have the last two election cycles. Uh, with uh, Democrats having taken majority control on commissioner's court with a Democrat in the White House, uh, you could see a lot of Republican excitement going into November. And all of those Democrats who swept those judicial races down ballot, including your civil courts, your felony courts, your misdemeanor courts, your civil court at laws, your justice of the peace seats, uh, you could see something happen there uh, that we haven't seen in a while, which is Republicans winning. So if I am trying to maximize my power as a voter and keep batshit crazy people out of office, I have to make a decision. Do I vote in the Democratic primary or in the Republican primary? It used to be that uh, people in the know would always vote in the Republican primary because that's where the real election was. It didn't matter who you voted for in November. You wanted to have highly qualified candidates win so you would go to the R's and you would try to pick the best candidates and keep some of the wacko birds out. And this year, that's a viable strategy since in Harris County and some of the neighboring counties, Republicans have a shot, right? Well, not only do Republicans have a chance in November, but you're starting to see some of that primary gamesmanship dynamic change. Uh, a lot of conservative judicial candidates have stepped up to run in the Democratic primary. 
of running against a lot of the pro-reform-minded judges in the felony courts and the misdemeanor courts. Okay, but let's go back to my main problem. How can I figure out who to vote for? And even if I figured out who to vote for, how can I remember? Texas law says that I can't check a cheat sheet on my phone. You're supposed to print something out and bring that with you, but people forget. Okay. Uh, folks aren't supposed to hand out literature uh, near where people vote. There's a statutory limit on that. And so often you'll find people sitting uh, or standing there looking at their slate, deciding who to vote for on these 80 or 90 uh, races. And just at a certain point, they don't know. Uh, I remember back in 2008 when Democrats first had a real good showing in Harris County for the first time in decades. And in a bunch of the judicial races, Democrats swept except for four races. And what was uh, the standout characteristic of those four Democrats who lost? Were they poorly rated by the state bar or by the Houston bar? Did they have scandals? No, they just had weird sounding names. The people with weird sounding names lost. Stupid voting. Mm -hmm. If I could just instruct voters in Harris County to do one thing, it would be skip races that you don't know about. I mean, because voting stupid is dangerous. You and I used to be on the Houston Chronicle um, editorial board, and we would Mm -hmm. sit through interviews with every reasonable candidate. And one of the main things I learned was just that some of the people running were either dumb as a rock or maybe mentally unbalanced. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember candidates I didn't want to be in the elevator with. (laughs) And, you know, it terrifies me. What if one of them has a good name? Yeah. Or people who are nuts can run good campaigns in bizarre ways. And only once you sit down with them and really meet them do you realize that this person is not well. Or this person just lives on a totally different planet from everybody else. Okay, so if I want to vote smart, Mm -hmm. how do I do that? Well, one of the first places to go is definitely the Houston Chronicle candidate endorsements. One of the benefits of them is that it's a nonpartisan uh, endorsement, that they just come at it trying to find who the best candidates are by some objective standard. And unlike other endorsements, they explain why. You can read the endorsement and agree with it or disagree with it. Uh, But this year, uh, they're not going to be going all the way down ballot. They're going to stop at the felony courts, and they're not going to be doing a lot of the civil courts, misdemeanor courts, uh, a lot of the other down ballot positions. So how do I figure out who to vote for in those races? One of the first places to check out would probably be the Houston Bar Association survey or the State Bar Association survey. So that's a basic sanity screen, at least? A little bit. Uh, It's a survey of lawyers, but the lawyers... So whether lawyers like a judge. Exactly. A possible judge. Okay. not all lawyers vote in this thing. If you're looking in the criminal courts, most of the people voting in that are probably going to be prosecutors. So there's going to be that pro-prosecution bias in that turnout. If you're looking in the civil courts, most of the lawyers are probably going to be working at big firms who do defense work. So it's going to be the perspective of someone who works for big corporations. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you'll see a judge with a really poor rating. But if you know them, you're like, oh, that person is just a strict constitutionalist in a criminal court. And prosecutors don't like that. They keep on asking, why are you detaining this person? You know, where's the due process here? And it just makes their lives miserable. So one of the things that I like when I'm trying to figure out who to vote for is Charles Kuffner's blog, Off the Cuff. And 
Cuff pointed me to a great spreadsheet kept by a guy named Eric K. Manning, who keeps great track of all the Democrats on the primary ballot. He lists 138 endorsing groups and who they've backed. He talks about how much cash each candidate has in hand and stuff that political junkies love diving into. I'd say Eric Manning's uh, spreadsheet is incredible and invaluable. And uh, mm -hmm. Charles Kuffner, not just, uh, he doesn't just get the written responses. He sits down and interviews a lot of these candidates and you can oh, okay. hear them talk. Uh, and it's just really invaluable service because he's getting to the bottom of the ballot candidates that the Chronicle doesn't always get. Somebody should give Charles Kuffner a medal. Mm -hmm. Now, I haven't seen a, uh, something similar for Republicans, and I'm eager to try to find something. But something that stood out is that historically, you've had these male slate campaigns in Harris County between three key Republican organizations. And if you voted in the Republican primary, we'll send them to your house and you can see who they endorse. Uh, some of these slates have been criticized as being pay for play. If you take out an ad in their mailer, they are more likely to endorse you. So which ones are you talking about? Okay, there's the link letter. Oh, okay. And that one's run by Terry Lowry. That's a pay-for-play one? They all have been accused one way or another of being pay-for-play. Um, okay. But it's also uh, praises being pretty effective. Uh, there's also the Conservative Republicans of Harris County, run by uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Hotze, uh, whose organization is considered a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Oh, because they've been homophobic in the past? I saw Dr. Hotze stand on a stage in a Galleria area hotel, waving a sword, talking about how he was going to drive all the gays out of Houston. Uh, so, yeah, I guess you could say that he's uh, a hateful guy. Uh, <laughs> okay, and he's also been anti-vax lately. Yes. Uh, and something also to note is that people have said that Republican campaign consultant, Alan Blakemore, uh, is involved in Dr. Hotze's interview process and endorsement process. Oh, and so people who are paying Alan Blakemore tend to be endorsed by Hotze? Uh, that's the implication. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any backing on this. This is just what I've read. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. And then the third one is the Texas Conservative Review, which is run by Gary Pollan who used to be a, a county Republican Party chair and is an attorney. And sometimes you see him on TV. Okay. And so those are three groups that do general endorsements in the Republican primary. Correct. And you can also look at some of the more heated races and just figure out who other Republicans are endorsing. Uh, for example, uh, Texas 8th Congressional District, which used to be Kevin Brady, but he's retiring. There are 11 Republicans running in the primary, but the top two are Morgan Luttrell, who's a former Navy SEAL and twin brother of lone survivor Marcus Luttrell. And, <laughs> and he's been endorsed by Rick Perry and Dan Patrick and Dan Crenshaw. Uh, you know, that's kind of his support there. And the other top candidate is a young man, Christian Collins, who founded the Texas Youth Summit, and he's been endorsed by Ted Cruz. Hmm. And so you're seeing this inter-party spat over who people endorse and why. Uh, and that race has been written up as a microcosm of the post-Trump GOP, that you have a little bit more traditional candidates going with Morgan. You've got a little bit more culture warriors going with Christian Collins. 
Uh, and I guess we'll see how it all sorts out in the end. That Trump rally in Houston was so interesting because mm -hmm. everybody was sort of trying to present themselves as the Trumpiest. Mm -hmm. Greg Abbott got up to give a speech and he got booed at first. And then so that the crowd would stop booing, he said the name Trump 27 times in less than six minutes, right? That's got to be some kind of record. <laughs> now, the polling shows Abbott in a clear lead in that primary. I don't think he has anything to worry about, but you never know in these sorts of races. The polling could be off. A lot can change in a couple of weeks. You know, who knows? And people are coming at him from the right. Yes. In the primary. Mm -hmm. Because it's understood to be basically a... It's the most Republican voters and who will turn out is the question. I think Joe Hawley uh, once referred to primary voters uh, as kind of like some kind of ancient tribal dance where you have to jump around and shout and whoop uh, to show like who's the most <laughs> over the top. Okay. And... This year, the jumping and whooping is especially loud. Oh, absolutely. Well, especially because uh, Abbott has many challengers from the right, notably Alan West and Don Huffines, who have accused him of not being conservative enough on the border and that he's too pro-vaccine and that property taxes are too high. But I'm reminded of uh, of reading, if anything, a conservative uh, Bible, The Road to Serfdom. Uh, which talks about how we should be wary of politicians making big promises about what they can do with their political power because they will always uh, underdeliver and people will demand more and more powerful politicians until you realize that you got yourself a, a dictator in charge. And so these folks are demanding, Abbott, why haven't you shut down the border? Why haven't you done this? Well, the governor can't necessarily do all those things. I don't know what they want to happen. Yeah. All right. Well, this is interesting and a little depressing, and I have got a lot of work to do before I vote. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> uh, I was planning on putting together my own like favorite candidates list uh, for all of the judges who I like, I personally uh, enjoy and approve of. Oh, Evan, I want a copy of that list. Do you have any other general advice? I always say, don't try to overthink it. You know, follow your heart. Uh, vote for the people you like. Don't try to do any gamesmanship uh, with who you think other people will vote for. All right. Thanks a lot, Evan. Thank you. In our show notes, we will have links to all kinds of resources that'll help you figure out who it is that you want to vote for. All right, y'all. It is now time for a little bit of news. Producer Farrell Gibbs is here with me. Farrell, what is going on right now? Hello, Lisa. Well, Dr. Peter Hotez, who you have been known to confer with over matters of COVID-19, had a very busy morning on Twitter yesterday morning. Oh, what is that vaccine researcher up to? Well, first he shared a graph from the Department of Health and Human Services of Texas that showed conscientious non-medical vaccine exemption requests in both public and private Texas schools. Here was Dr. Hotez's tweet. A number of colleagues asked if the anti-vaccine aggression around COVID-19 vaccinations could spill over into other childhood vaccines. And he did say that here in Texas, it does look as though non-medical vaccine exemptions have bumped up during the pandemic. Oh, that scares me because it means more parents are getting exemptions to things like measles vaccine. It sounds that way. Aye. Okay, so what else 
is Hotez up to? You said he was busy. Yes. Also, I'm not sure if you've heard of the big Joe Rogan controversy that has been brewing up over the past few days. Okay. I have to confess. I have never heard of Joe Rogan show. What is what is Joe Rogan? A uh, podcaster. I think he just does current events. I personally have only listened to one of his episodes, so I'm not sure I'm going to be a great authority on this, but I will say he's got a very big listenership. Okay. So Joe Rogan is a big podcaster, right? Yes, he's a big podcaster. Enough so that Joni Mitchell and Neil Young came out and pulled their music from Spotify because they argue that he is spreading misinformation with things like COVID-19. Ooh, okay. And Peter Hotez is big in the fight against misinformation on COVID-19, right? He does maintain that that is something that's very important to him. And that is why this weekend, when Joe Rogan finally put out a response to all of the whirlwind that has happened, uh, in a bit of defense, he mentioned that he had had Dr. Hotez on the show. So Dr. Hotez thanked him for the call out. Oh, wow. All right. Well, that is interesting. I guess Joe Rogan is giving Peter Hotez a, a platform that lets him reach people he wouldn't otherwise get to. That is it for our show today. For Valentine's Day, y'all, we are looking for Houston love stories. If you have a very Houston love story, if you fell in love over chips and salsa, or you met your beloved while ordering some of the world's best barbecue, please call and tell that story to our voicemail. Say your name and tell your story. 713-489-6972. And we'll have that number in our show notes. We will be back tomorrow. Bye. All right. Did you hear that pause when my phone screen suddenly went blank and I couldn't remember the number? But y'all can fix that.